Hi, my name is Frank Amaletic and you're listening to Talking Architecture and Design, brought to you by the Architecture and Design Network. Go to www.architectureanddesign.com.au for all the latest news, views, projects, people and much, much more. Today is the fourth in our five-part series on health and aged care, proudly brought to you in association with Coroma. Coroma has revolutionised the Australian bathroom industry with a long list of innovations, including dual flush, smart flush and clean flush roomless technologies, all incorporated into Coroma LiveWell's purpose-designed solutions for accessible aged care and healthcare applications. LiveWell products are designed and engineered by Australians and have been so for nearly 80 years now. The LiveWell collection is designed with practicality and dignity in mind. The fusion of contemporary styles with discrete modifications promote comfort and independence for those with greater needs. All care solutions are designed with beautiful aesthetics you expect across from all Coroma products. Find out more at coroma.com.au forward slash live well. Today we have Sadie Burling from Painter Dixon, uh, who has over 30 years experience in uh, senior executive roles in leading operational and strategic perspectives within acute care, aged care and childcare for public, church, charitable and non-for-profit domains. She's also a registered nurse, a non-practicing midwife and holds a child and family health certificate, Bachelor of Health Science and a Master's in Management. As the Health and Aging Business Development Manager at Painter Dixon, Sadie works closely with our health and aged care clients to manage project risks, the construction planning process as well. She works in consultation with clients and in-house design and construction teams to ensure the facilities are fit for purpose, cost-effective, and meet infection control standards. Is that, is that about right, um, Sadie? That's correct, yes. So welcome, Sadie. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Okay. So let's talk about ageing, something we no one really wants to talk about, uh, and mm. ageing design. So I, I found these figures earlier, and, and you, you, can, you can stop me if I'm wrong, but the number of Australians over the age of 65 has tripled in the last decade to almost, I think, about three and a half million now, according to the Australian Institute of Health and Welfare. In fact, another figure I found is Australia's population alone is predicted to have 8.8 million older people by 2057, which will represent about uh, 22% of our population. So, obviously, as a as a portion of ageing citizens continue to increase, their specific needs will become an even greater priority for healthcare construction projects. So can I ask, what are some of the design elements that, that companies such as yours are considering when constructing an aged care facility? So um, I would have to say that um, the uh, design of age of aged care facilities have changed over the, over the years. We had our roots in um, historically in poor houses and asylums, and um, over the years um, um, we've thankfully we've changed the design of how we house and accommodate our our seniors. Um, so I would say that we're an aging workforce caring for an aging population. So like everything, we need to think about the design of the building and how it can work smarter to alleviate some of the workload for the staff. 
capital costs up front may be a little bit more. However, the return on investment um, will be realised in staffing costs and utility costs. So it's really imperative that we get the design right from the from the concept or from the from the initial vision of the client and work with them to um, develop buildings that um, can last a reasonably long time, but have the that's effective and efficient and has the um, accommodate accommodation factors that people are looking for these days. And I think that with the pandemic, I'm probably going to digress a little bit here, with the pandemic, it's shown that even the, the newest of buildings don't always um, accommodate some of the infection control processes that are required during a pandemic. So this is an opportunity going forward for Panagison to work with their clients to get the infection control uh, aspect of the building um, to finesse that 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 part of the the design going forward. You're certainly not digressing. Actually, I think so, someone told me um, a few weeks ago that the pandemic has been kind of uh, almost dare I say a silver lining for some designers because it's given them given them a, a way of almost practicing in real time what they can do in terms mm -hmm. of design in healthcare at least. Um, moving forward. So it's actually a very good point. So you mentioned something. So is it design and technology or is it just design? Well, which which is more, I mean, which is more important in terms of getting it right? Well, I think um, the design of the building gets it right in terms of, um, you know, travel times for staff, um, where things are located, uh, where um, whether we make it a more homely environment or whether it's truly um, an environment that it's taking care of um, the, the sick and the infirmed. And I have to say that over the years, the type of uh, resident going into aged care has changed and that um, what we really have are subacute medical units, um, uh, housing, not housing the elderly, but they've got so many comorbidities that it's become the next level of hospital care really. Um, so, uh, in terms of um, going forward, we have to take that into consideration as well, trying to make the, the facility or the, the aged care environment look homely, but also to be able to meet the care needs of the residents. So, yeah, it's, a, it's a very fine balance, I think, between um, accommodation and being able to provide the care into that. Uh, built environment. Technology, however, also plays a huge part in, um, in uh, aged care these days. For example, as you know, um, dementia is on the increase with our population as we age as well. And um, so we need technology to be able to um, let the resident be themselves and wander and, and walk around and be safe, but also for the staff to be able to have a mechanism by which they can uh, keep an eye on the residents. Um, so our real-time locator service uh, technology is very beneficial and often helps um, alleviate the need for securing um, units um, to contain people, which is not really very humane. So. Um, what we're trying to do is to build environments that allow people the freedom and the liberty to move around as they wish. And having some technology in place often helps the staff ensure that the uh, safety of the, the resident is maintained. 
So that's one form of technology. I think another another form of technology since the pandemic is how do we check people coming into the services? How do we um, how do we how can we manage that without um, taking away our staff from the bedside or from the patient from patient care? And um, there there is technology out there now where they can do um, infrared uh, screening. So if someone comes into your facility that has a has a temperature, you can you can um, but you can you can see that straight away and an alert is sent to somebody so you can stop that person from coming in and potentially spreading um, an infection. So there's that kind of technology that's um, occurring now and that'll be, I guess, finessed over, over the time to, um, um, to make it more user-friendly. Um, so there's lots of forms of um, technology. There's rostering technology, there's... Um, um, clinical management systems and medication systems and all of those all of those technologies also assist. So when you're building a building, you've got to make sure that you put the infrastructure in to support those platforms, those software platforms that the uh, client may want to put into the, to, to the service. Um, nurse call systems as well have changed over, over the last few years where we no longer uh, are putting... Um, the traditional nurse call light outside the room. The um, nurse can, uh, sorry, the resident can press for a nurse, press the nurse call button, and it'll go to a handheld um, uh, phone or tablet, and that will alert the nurse that you need help. And if that nurse that's been allocated to your room can't get there, it'll cascade down to the next person. So. So there's a lot of technology out there that can support um, aged care, but it does come at a price. I guess it's Sydney where, you know, every square inch is, <laughs> is mm. actually priceless. Um, is, that a, is that an issue for, for companies like Planet? Uh, look, I think it's, it's not so much an issue for us, but it's an issue for the client who wants to build. Um, and then I guess if they can't find um, somewhere to build, then that becomes our problem because we don't have a project. But um, I think that uh, the Royal Commission into Aged Care, one of the um, recommendations is to get rid of the big box, which is a lot of these big vertical um, buildings that we are building these days, and go back to the small house model. So the question is, can small house models be built into a vertical building? And yes, they can. We've done that. So mm -hmm. what I'm saying is... Um, we have built a uh, facility that has um, a 12 bed or 12, yeah, 12 bed house, small house model within a seven storey building. So, um, and then those people have their own um, social spaces and quiet spaces, kitchen and uh, dining and lounge areas. But we've um, put the capacity into that building to be able to open it up if they want to have um, large uh, functions or they want to uh, socialise with um, other residents. But we can easily close it back down and contain it if there's an outbreak. So it's all about how you design it and how you um, um, try and keep costs down. So we put a back spine in that building so that the um, back of house um, areas such as the nurse station, the medication room, the dirty utility room and all of that is behind the scenes. So it's not in, in, as part of the house, but still easily um, um, accessible to the staff if required from both sides of the house, if that makes sense. Okay. 
So, so what are some of the other latest trends that we've seen in aged care design? Um, and, and as well as, you know, whether, whether it be design or even in construction methods. I mean, there is, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot of new, new things being tried out there, modular construction yes. or not. Yes. So what are some of the some of the new things we are seeing in aged care design? Oh, look, I think, um, well, we're actually um, at the moment, we work out in rural and remote Australia as well as the Sydney CBD. So some of the, the problems that we face out there, of course, is getting the trades that we require to be able to, you know, like plumbers and tilers and, you know, and the like. So, so some of the technology that we've used in the past have been pod, pod bathrooms. So where the bathrooms are built off site um, to the specifications of the interior designer and the um, specifications of the client. Um, and so that's all built off site and then they're trucked in and they're dropped into place. So um, uh, all the pre-work's done and then the, um, the bathroom is put into place and connected up and you would not know the difference. Um, but and, and what that really does, doesn't really save money, but it saves time and uh, time is money. So um, they've been able to, to, um, to accommodate and get that job finished for the, rest, for the uh, client without having to wait for trades to come from everywhere. So that's one thing. Um, they, they use um, precast flooring systems, which also help. Um, we're also doing um, a modular build out in um, um, regional Australia, where, or regional New South Wales, I should say, and uh, that entails the whole building. So we have to do all the prep work. So we're doing all the prep work. And then um, um, we've organised with a company to get to um, undertake a... a um, it's like a prefabbed building. So um, then we put it all together and then deck it out and it'll be just like a, any other aged care facility. But what that does is um, it, um, it means that we can get it done faster. Um, so long as, you know, um, some of the, some of the um, equipment comes from China. So you, you have to have some long lead times so that you, you can... Um, you know, you need to work that into your program, basically. Um, so that's going to be our first major modular build. So we'll see how that comes. That's um, just in the early phases yet, but that's some of the other other things that we're um, we're looking at. Um, the things that we we do do um, is to look at sustainability in buildings as well. Okay. And so, um, you know, when we're we're looking build something, we review the land suitability and optimising the site, reduce wherever possible the impact of the construction to the local ecosystems. Um, we look at energy optimisation wherever possible. Penny Dixon um, reviews um, energy consumption to the proposed building and determines the best outcome for the client in terms of energy consumption and costs bearing in mind the impact to the environment. Uh, we also look at water con conservation. Um, we're very much aware that water is becoming a, a, a scarce commodity in Australia, uh, particularly in rural and remote New South Wales. Um, and to this end, we look at different methodologies for recycling of water and water harvesting. Um, we optimise our building space and materials. Um, 
we look at indoor environmental quality, a sustainable building, maximising daylight, has appropriate ventilation and moisture control, acoustic performance, um, all of those sorts of things um, to, uh, to make sure that we don't get those um, high volatile organic compounds or VOC emissions. Um, temperature and lighting controls are also important aspects of sustainable quality um, environments. So, so there's lots of things that we look at um, um, going forth in a building and, um, and we try and factor all of those into um, the end costs for the client so that there's no surprises. And of course, there's constant, um, we're, we're constantly talking with our client about their vision, what they want to achieve, they want to, where they, they see the future going and um, we help them, we try and help them optimise that vision. I'm so glad you said the, the about your, your moves on sustainability because, I mean, that obviously hasn't always been the case and not just in aged care and any design really in Australia. I mean, the, the, that's been a, a move that's probably no, not much older than this century. So, but there is, there is a, actually been a huge um, industry evolution in terms of sustainability. And is that because of changing consumer or, or customer expectation or is it because that um, companies such as yours have realised that, that that it's as you said it it's, it saves money for the for the end user, and at the end of the day, you know, the, the less carbon for the less footprint that you have is, is obviously better for everyone. Is, is that how you see it? I think um, I think it covers both both um, both from the client's perspective um, because they're also environmentally conscious of um, what the impact to the environment will be from putting a, a building, even a big building into the space. Um, but also I think um, um, the resources are becoming scarcer and therefore we need to be a little bit more mindful, not a little bit, a lot mindful of how we um, use those resources and manage them. So I think uh, whilst cost is a big imperative and, and sometimes it does cost you more um, to put it into the building, but then you get your benefits down the road. Um, we actually, um, we built a, um, a building, uh, Bankstown Flinders Centre Tower, which achieved a five-star um, green rate, a green star rating, and, and the, they're targeting a five-star neighbours energy rating. So, you know, and that was something that the, I believe the client um, was very much for, and we, we helped. Um, accommodate that um, that vision. So um, we try and work in with the clients as much as we can to achieve to achieve their ultimate goal. And and it, and it looks and it also looks good for us too because we're actually living one of our visions and values of um, our sustainability. Coroma proudly present the medical range for hospital and medical infection control. Our medical collection is designed specifically for superior hygiene control, product performance and compliance in hospital and medical applications. The range incorporates the latest in easy clean surface and infection control technology. Products are designed with durability in mind to survive the everyday pressures of life in commercial health and medical environments. Find out more at coroma.com.au forward slash live well, that's coroma.com.au forward slash live well. And now back to our podcast. According to the federal government, they're looking to help in that, that sort of area for providing innovative health, uh, residential or aged care and, and also other healthcare um, and 
home home care and aged care building designs. They've been they've been talking about in terms of helping with innovations, term in terms of building ideas, something like seven hundred and twenty four million over five years. So that this is a few years old though. Um, do you think that uh, the government uh, should be helping more in terms of um, you know? making these centres or building them more sustainable? Uh, look, I think that um, I'm sure you've heard that aged care uh, does not receive enough funding yeah. and therefore um, for some of these aged care facilities, particularly the, the small standalone uh, rural and regional uh, uh, aged care services, they don't make enough profit to be able to, you know, expand the, the offerings and um, a lot of them have to go for grants um, through the government. So we assist with um, um, the grants as well in terms of helping them write them or provide them with um, um, concept plans for what they want to do and cost it. So, um, you know, I know there's a finite bu bucket that the government have. They've got to, they've got to spread the wealth. Um, but I think without government assistance, a lot of the things that we um, aspire to cannot always be achieved. So how much does it actually cost to build an aged care facility? I mean, I, I know yeah. it varies on site and varies yeah. on size, but I mean, is there a sort of a median cost that you look at? Yeah, there's an average cost these days of somewhere between $250,000 and $350,000 per bed. Right, okay. So if you work somewhere between that, that, that also takes into consideration um, that's not land costs, that's just build costs. Um, that also takes into consideration that, you know, you need a, a working um, commercial kitchen, a working commercial laundry. Um, you've got to have, um, sometimes we put um, cafes in and, um, um, you know, cinemas and all of those sorts of things. So um, that, that price, though, going forward will predominantly go up because um, there have been changes to the, well, there's changes coming to the um, um, to the building codes and the and the standards and um, particularly with, in light of um, how we've seen some of these residential building blocks going up. So they've appointed a building commissioner and he's going to be looking at all those um, elements. Is this good for the building um building industry I think so because it it makes people more accountable it makes um, um, the designers and the builders and the, the certifiers all um, take um, take on that responsibility with um, I think greater care um, so that will in itself potentially push um, the cost of building a building up half. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. We are indebted to Coroma, whose sponsorship of the Health and Aged Care series makes this all possible. So I've often been intrigued how you go about getting a facility actually built. Well, well Painter Dixon, we have five phases that we look at. And um, so the first phase is the concept design and um, the project budget. So during the concept design, constantly talking with um, 
the client to see, as I mentioned before, what their vision is. Have they done their demographic review to see whether or not there's the um, call for a, more aged care beds? And then, of course, um, before, um, before that, the um, client has normally gone to gone through an ACAR round, which the, uh, is the um, the the ability to 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 get licences, bed licences, because you need bed licences to run an aged care facility. Okay. So so those bed licences are proportioned out by the government, and that usually that that happened every one to two years, predominantly the last. Been the last couple of years have just um, Lee anyway, so we're just waiting to see who's going to get bed licences. Now, if say you wanted um, 70 bed licences, then you have to go through a process to get those bed licences, and once they're awarded, then you're a bit you'll be able to go forth and know that you can build a building because you've got the licences because that's your income, right? To a put to a degree. Um, so, so through that whole concept um, design phase, we're looking at the land, as I mentioned before, what can we put on the land, how big the building is, is it going to meet the building codes, is it going to meet the zone requirements, um, and then you get, you get all those, um, get those concepts in place, and then that's a whole process, and it's not a five-minute job, because there's a lot of meetings, there's a lot of um, talking, there's a lot of negotiating, there's a lot of... Um, you know, okay, I can't have that, but I want this type of thing. So then we go to, once we get through the concept design, we apply a budget to it, and that's just a, usually a square metre rate um, to see where that, that, that's going to fall and is, in, is that in the price range that the um, client can afford. Right. Then following that, um, we have um, phase two where we undertake building investigations, we look at design development, then we go to a DA, and then we do a, a, a more in-depth cost plan. So um, again, this is over a period of months, probably 18 months that this all takes takes um, to do. And there's a lot of um, um, red tape to get through because then you've got there might be some council imperatives. You might have to go to the um, planning committees of the council to see that that. Um, that complies and that they're happy to have um, the building in such a place. And um, you've got to make sure that um, um, you're not, um, so for example, one of the um, buildings that we built um, was in a bushfire zone. So we had to make sure that the building that we built didn't encroach into the um, APZ zone. We had to do a, asset protection zone. So did our building go beyond that or did, so we, do we need to scale it back a little bit so that we meet that requirement? So there's those things to consider. There's also access for emergency vehicles and, and the like, um, particularly in this particular one that I'm thinking of. Um, there, I was at, at the end of a cul-de-sac, so there was only one way in and one way out basically. So there's a lot of those considerations to take into to, to take on board before you actually build anything. There's also, say you're working in a live site, meaning there are people living on the site and you're going to take down a building and then you're going to erect a new one. You have to look at all the, um, the um, paths of travel in that building, how that's going to impact upon those people that are living there, how it's going to impact on the community. 
Um, how's, how's it going to impact on parking? Um, do you have enough um, electrical load to take what you're going to be building or do you need a new substation? Um, do you have the fibre optic um, requirements to run the infrastructure and technology for that building? So there's a whole raft of things that um, has to, and I've certainly learned this uh, over my while since I've been with um, Hannah Dixon, because as you know, I can't have a nursing background, so I had no idea um, what 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 in, was entailed in building a building. Um, but then in phase three, we get down to the um, detail design. We go for a construction certificate. We then have to document documentation. And then we talk again about costs. And for Painter Dixon, we usually do a um, guaranteed um, maximum cost submission. So that means that we've, um, we give the client some certainty into the cost of the building. And the only time that really changes is if um, um, they changed the scope or there were some latent conditions that we had no way of knowing about. And then phase four, of course, is the construction. And then phase five is building occupation and post-occupancy review. So they're the five phases that we um, undertake, but each of them in themselves are very complex and detailed. And so in Painter Dixon, we have a whole team that work on all aspects of that. So we have a pre-construction team, which I'm part of. Um, then we have our construction team and we have our estimators, we have our designers, we work with architects. So the architects might be appointed by the client or they may ask us to project manage the whole, whole um, project from inception to building and or to turnkey and um, so we might go out, we'll go out to tender, not might, we'll go out to tender on their behalf and um, get the consultants in that they require and that goes before them and then they get to choose who they want and they make an informed decision based on whatever the criteria was set and um, what costs were involved, what costs are involved for that consultant. So um, it's not simple uh, and there's a, there's a lot of red tape um, and there's a lot of toing and froing because sometimes um, the, the client knows what they want, but they either can't afford it or um, there are constraints that won't allow us to build that particular element. Um, but we, we work very hard with the uh, consultants and the councils to um, ensure that we deliver the, the, um, the project to the client how they wanted it, basically. For particular groups or particular areas and regional areas, or or do you have sort of a more or less a uh, how would I say a, a rough sort of template design which you modify? No, no, we don't. Um, the client might the client might have their standard design. So some some of the larger organisations they have the blueprint that um, this is the design I want. This is what we we want to build. But for us, um, no, we actually um, the the client might come to us already with a design um, that they've had an architect um, draw up and then we'll work with the architect to make sure that it's fit for purpose and that it meets the aged care uh, standards. But, um, I mean, look, we, we reviewed um, a set of plans for a client and when we looked at it, 
from an operational perspective, I looked at it from an operational perspective, it wasn't going to work for them. You couldn't swing beds in there. Um, uh, there wasn't enough turning circles to get a um, mobile, mobile trolley bath bed in um, because we don't generally put baths in um, aged care facilities anymore. So, but if someone wants a bath, they have to be, have the ability to be able to give them one. So, um, uh, the building didn't have connections to this existing building. There was some issues around fire. There was a whole raft of issues, and in the end, they threw that out and started again, which is a very costly exercise to undertake. Um, okay, so can you tell me what is one of Painter Dixon's recent standout projects? Um, Let's say that if, if if you if you wanted to put your name to this this this, uh, this facility, which one would you pick? I think for me, there's been a, um, the the uh, one down in Sutherland right. uh, that we recently built. Um, it's 120. Oh, it's 120 beds, um, seven stories with a, a beautiful. Um, um, area on the top for residents to undertake exercise classes or um, large gatherings and had the view of um, the, the vista outside. It was beautiful. So I'd, I'd have to say the one down in Sutherland that we built was, um, and it won awards as well. Uh, it won a UDIA award and it won um, some awards over in Singapore. So um, that that's um, a really lovely building. Um, and then, then we had the other one out in um, another one out in uh, Scone, and it was um, a very different building, but it had um, technology in, in in it that and the pod bathroom scenario that I talked about earlier. So um, they're probably a couple of our standout um, uh, services that we've built. I mean, we've done a lot of, um, also we've done a lot of significant refurbishments, meaning um, that we've taken some very old buildings and turned them into some um, a more modern uh, buildings to meet the requirements and the standards. Um, for example, we've done some work at St Luke's um, Hospital and um, we've St Luke's. Which is where? Uh, Potts Point. Potts Point, okay. Yeah, and um, we converted a... Um, a hospital wing into an aged care wing, and um, that's a heritage. Um, that's on a conservation heritage conservation site. So we had to meet all those requirements um, of the uh, heritage as well. So, um, and that also won an award. So it um, and it came out really lovely, considering that the building itself is quite old. It, we made it look very modern. So what is Pointer Dixon Dixon Constructions? Um, Point of di di differentiation in terms of a, it's a its own aged care design. I mean, what what is it? What is it that makes your company stand out? Okay, well, for for a start, I think that um, the point of difference for Painter Dixon in aged care in health and ageing is that they've actually had the foresight to employ somebody such as myself, a registered nurse. To um, inform the design and to work with um, to work with the internal team at Painter Dixon so that they understand what the um, um, what the workflow should be like, um, what the paths of travel should be like, what equipment needs to go in. Um, um, 
I'm actually the client in Painter Dixon for the client, if that makes sense. Okay. So I um, I would go to all the all the meetings, the PCG meetings, and I would listen to what the client would want, and then I'd be the conduit back here in the office. So when we have meetings and design meetings and things, I can say, no, that's not what the client wanted. This is what the client wanted. Um, this is what we need to do. And, you know, I make those things happen. I also, um, I'm also the um, linchpin pin between the um, residents living on site and um, and the community. So if there are any issues, I, I, I can help sort those, those out. Um, I look at um, how to start, if we're going to do a significant refurbishment, I'm able to look at the staging, what's not going to affect the business um, and so that they can maintain business continuity. And I think that too, um, I also work with, um, Phil, Phil's my partner here in um, Painter Dixon, and he's um, got an architectural background, but he, he can take um, what the client's asking and put it into a concept, and then um, we can work out um, from from the outset what they want. And so from a, um, a technical point of view, um, Phil, Phil's there, and from an operational point of view, I'm there. So we work in tandem um, to ensure that we get the best um, outcome for the client and for the residents and for the staff. You also do a lot of suppliers out there, don't you? I mean, it's not just it's not just you know people and counters. You deal with a lot of um, you know building and products and, and technology yes. and and, and yes. consumable supplies. Um, how do companies like like for example like Karoma, you do they do they do a fair bit of product for you guys. How do suppliers like that fit into your design and, and do yeah. their products change how you design? Or, or? Um, well, I think um, firstly, um, we usually go with the client, uh, sorry, the supplier that the client requests. Right. Um, so, for example, um, we are currently using Coroma, a um, very good product, and the client uh, likes the product. And what is good about Coroma is that um, they will um, allow the client to have some samples of a toilet suite, for example, um, which, and, and this was out in um, regional uh, New South Wales. Um, we um, had a toilet suite delivered out there, um, a couple of them, a couple of different samples, and the, um, the staff worked position the toilet where they thought it was going to go in the in a room and then they worked around it to see if it was um, um, effective for them in the in the workplace if you know what I mean so um, you know Coroma is very good and good in that way and I know that um, Coroma do a lot of research and development and work in with um, the universities lastly Royal Commission um, has it um, change the way that companies like Painter Dixon uh, work? Um, has, has it improved things? Uh, look, um, I think it's early days yet that there were 148 um, recommendations. Um, we still are waiting to hear from the government as to which uh, recommendations they're going to um, implement, take up, um, what's going to be funded, what's not. But certainly for Painter Dixon going forward, um, one of the big uh, things that the Royal Commission did say is that they don't want the big box anymore, that they want um, the small housing models. And as I said to you before, in, a, in landlocked um, uh, suburbia, 
I don't know how that will work unless you go vertical, but you can still do small house models within a vertical building. Certainly out in rural and remote Australia where there's a lot of land, you can do the small house models. Um, and um, we've certainly done some group homes which are based on, on a small house model for um, different organisations such as CPA and uh, the like. And that uh, that's a good um, model for um, aged care going forward as well because um, um, they, they house about seven, five to seven residents and they are fully equipped with all the technology in that because dis disability uh, residents require, uh, you know, um, the ability to be able to work in kitchens, for example, where you can get the bench tops to go up and down and the sinks and, and the like. Um, so that maintains a bit of the, maintains independence for them. And the other um, the other thing is ceiling mounted lifters that go throughout the whole house to make um, the mobility um, achievable. So, you know, doors that open when they approach them and, and, and you know, all of those sorts of things, using those Google hubs and, and, and what have you. Um, going forward, um, this will be a, um, a, an opportunity for us to uh, be able to design buildings that will cater for um, infection control much more readily. And so if they had an outbreak, we'd, we'd be able to um, isolate um, isolate buildings um, more readily than what we can these days in some of these buildings, if that makes sense. It does. It, it sounds like you're prepared for the next pandemic. Sadie Burling from Pan and Dixon, thank you very much. That was absolutely fascinating and enlightening. Thank you for your time. You're most welcome. Coroma proudly present the medical range for hospital and medical infection control. Our medical collection is designed specifically for superior hygiene control, product performance and compliance in hospital and medical applications. The range incorporates the latest in easy clean surface and infection control technology. Products are designed with durability in mind to survive the everyday pressures of life in commercial health and medical environments. Find out more at coroma.com.au forward slash live well. That's coroma.com.au forward slash live well. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. We are indebted to Coroma, whose sponsorship of the Health and Aged Care series makes this all possible. I'm Brank Hamiletic. Thanks for listening to Talking Architecture and Design, brought to you in association with the Architecture and Design Network. The AD Network proudly presents the Sustainability Awards now in their 14th year. You can find more information at sustainablebuildingawards.com.au.